The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us. Today, by dint of our imagination and well-guided on the tour, we're going to visit St. Paul, Minnesota. There where the Mississippi River gets its start, and it's going to be so much fun to visit with a lady who knows the town like the back of her hand, and one place in particular which is very special in the collective memory of people throughout the Twin Cities. It's a lot to get to, and we will get to it right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use and it's available on Apple and Android. Drive Weather. Download it now for a safer road trip wherever you go. Welcome back to Trip Talk. We're visiting the Wabasha Street Caves. What is the Wabasha Street Caves, you ask? It's an event hall built into the sandstone caves located on the south shore of the Mississippi River in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. And what an extraordinary place it is, as you will discover for yourself, courtesy of Cynthia Schreiner-Smith. Cynthia is an actor and writer who was born and raised in St. Paul, where she still lives. Since 1998, she has worked at the Wabasha Street Caves, researching, writing scripts, and acting as a tour guide for their historical tours. She is best known for performing the gangster tour as Edna Murray, the Kissing Bandit. Cynthia and her husband, Bick, own Cybic Productions, producing corporate videos. In 2011, they produced Gangsterland, a movie about 1930s gangsters in St. Paul. Cynthia has written a book with co-author Deborah Fretham called Alvin Carpus and the Barker Gang in Minnesota, which will be published in August of this year. And so today we welcome Cynthia Schreiner-Smith as we visit St. Paul and the Wabasha Street Caves. Cynthia, we're delighted to have you with us. And I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. In setting up this interview with you, Cynthia, I noted your enthusiasm, and I knew this was going to be the kind of interview I love to do, because no doubt you have a ton of information at your fingertips, but you also have a passion for the place, which probably counts as among the most unique in the Midwest and certainly in the Twin Cities area. Yes, that is true. There is no other event space like the Wabasha Street Cave. Are the caves, because I can hear people, I can really hear it. They're, they're going, well, that sounds like a fun place to visit. It's subterranean. That would be kind of cool. I wonder what the tour is like. Can you get married there, etc.? But then they wonder, are the caves a natural formation or are they man-made? That is one of our number one questions that we get. You are very astute. Uh, yes, the caves are mines that were dug out of the cliff, so they are not natural. So when people come see our space, they will not be spelunking around stalactites and stalagmites. <laughs> uh, so no problem there. There's seven caves, three of which were finished off into an elegant nightclub in the 1930s. Uh, that was known as the Castle Royal. 
And today, those three caves are used as an event space, as you mentioned, for weddings and company parties and things like that. And then the other four are still the raw sandstone caves. And because they are mines, they are not natural. The floors are all flat and even. So we can always tell people that, yes, we are a cave, but we are completely handicapped accessible. Don't have to worry about that. That is important to know. Very helpful. It also leads to the question about what I heard concerning the caves. One of the many nice things about the caves is that when you go in there, you're going to a place that conscientiously has been, it's been decided, would go green. So when you go into a cave, is this going to be dank? Am I going to be too cold? Am I going to be too warm in summer? I understand that the caves have actually gone green in order to be more ecologically sound and responsible. Well, you know, the caves are heated. They have a furnace that they never shut off, uh, even in the summer, because caves stay a natural uh, 52 degrees all year round. doesn't matter what the season is. And in Minnesota, it can vary quite wildly. We can have very hot, humid summers and nice, cold winters. So we don't have an air conditioner because we don't need one. So in the summer, we don't have to spend all of that energy and stuff on air conditioning. We just turn the furnace down a little bit. And uh, it still stays nice and cool. So it's kind of interesting when I'm conducting tours and people walk in and it's warm out and they go, oh, my goodness, this air conditioning feels so good. And I'm like, sure, sure does. But you achieve the effect. There you go. It feels like air conditioning because it's a cave. So, yes, the part that has the event space is heated and very comfortable. And the three that are not heated, the unfinished cave, they stay that nice, natural 53, 54 degrees all year round. So some people think that's cool and some people think it's great. Oh, I think that's excellent. Now, of course, in prepping for this show, I went to the website and I found out some interesting information. I'll read straight from the website entry. The caves, with 12,000 square feet of space, is tastefully finished with brick walls, stucco ceilings, carpeted dining space, and beautiful tile floors in the cocktail area. There is a theatrical stage, large hardwood dance floor, plenty of dining and meeting space, and a handsome 60-foot bar. Okay, Cynthia, I get it. You folks are equipped for about any kind of party that wants to happen. We are, and so it's a very popular place for people to have weddings and company parties and proms and things like that. Uh, but if folks coming to town want to see it, you don't have to wait to be invited to a wedding uh, because there's so much fun history attached to the caves uh, that we do do tours for the public. And people come in and they find out why the caves were dug out, what was the reason for it. Uh, you hear about a little bit about its uh, shady past. It was a speakeasy during the years of Prohibition, and then when Prohibition ended in 1933... Um, the owners of they, the owners of the caves had been growing mushrooms uh, in the caves. It was one of the first commercial mushroom farms in the United States, and uh, they had a little speakeasy in the back for a little side business. And they realized when prohibition ended, well, people are going to need a nice legal place to drink, and uh, you know, a restaurant would be a great way to show off these mushrooms we're trying to sell. So they opened up this beautiful restaurant called the Castle Royal. And if you do go to our website, you'll notice that the facade of the cave set against the cliff, it looks like a castle. And the current owners have done a lot of fine work to restore the place to look as much as possible like it did when it opened in 1933. So it does have the original 1933 brickwork. Um, the caves had been abandoned for many years when they bought them, so unfortunately they did have to replace the original wood dance floor, but they kept the same size and configuration. It's huge. 
Um, they do also, I should mention, the one time they are open to the public is Thursday night. Uh, they do swing dancing there. And we will have a 15 to 20-piece big band up on the stage performing, and anyone of any age can come in. It's only $8 to come in and listen to this 15 to 20-piece big band. It's really popular. And it's kind of a, um, an homage to the history of the place, because back in the 1930s when it was the Castle Royal, uh, you had many famous big band leaders of the day playing there. You would have Cab Calloway and Harry James, Benny Goodman, um, Harry, the list goes on of the people that played there at the old Castle Royal. So that's one reason why they do the swing dancing uh, open to the public. So you can come and take the tours, find out a lot of this history. Uh, a lot of the famous gangsters of the era made St. Paul their home, and a lot of them came dancing at the Castle Royal. Uh, we had one woman who took one of our tours way back in the 1990s, told us an interesting story about how she'd been uh, down there dancing with a gentleman, didn't know who he was. He just asked her to dance. He was so handsome. And his first name was John. And she found out later that his last name was Dillinger. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. So she, she fainted when she heard that. <laughs> but the town was full of a lot of gangsters, the Barker Gang and Alvin Carpus and uh, Babyface Nelson, Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, Edna Murray, the Kissing Bandit, the, the person that I portray on the tour, um, all came down to St. Paul at one time or another and made it their home. And uh, because of that deep gangster association with the caves and with St. Paul, uh, then we also do a bus tour uh, where people can get on the bus and drive around and you'll have a character actor such as myself giving you a tour of St. Paul. So you will see where John Dillinger had a shootout with the FBI, House where the Barker Gang lived, the sites of some famous kidnappings and things like that. So when people come to St. Paul and they want to have a very unique tour, like you're not going to get anywhere else, taking the gangster tour is a really great way to see the town. Oh, I'm certain of that. And so let me ask you, what was it specifically about St. Paul, part of the Twin Cities and Big Brother across the river, there's Minneapolis, but in yes. St. Paul, what was it that made the town such a haven for gangsters? I'm going to hazard the guess that if you are bringing in product, illicit though it may be, and if it's coming, let's say, from Canada, the Mississippi <laughs> River could abet your aims very nicely. Well, you are correct that Minnesota was um, a center of providing alcohol for the rest of the country back then, uh, which is ironic since Andrew Volstead, the author of the 18th Amendment, was a Minnesota congressman from Granite Falls, and he had an office in downtown St. Paul. So I always loved to joke, Prohibition, born right here in St. Paul. Aren't we proud? <laughs> Let's all go break the law. <laughs> you know, but uh, We had uh, a lot of grains grown here. We are the land of 10,000 lakes. We had all the water you needed. We're, uh, we have a very large German population, and boy, they love to make beer. And yes, you're right, Canada being close by, um, they were good neighbors. They didn't care. They didn't have prohibition. So we could run booze up to Canada and across the country and back down into ours. Um, but while bootlegging was one thing that happened a lot in Minnesota, um, that's not really the reason why all of these bank robbers and kidnappers came to St. Paul. I mean, certainly they loved being able to come here and drink our fine alcohol. But um, the big reason was we had, it started out with good intentions, like so many things, and then it goes wrong. Uh, we had a police chief, John O'Connor, 
he was our police chief uh, from starting around 1900, and he took a little break off in the middle there, and then he finally left office in 1920. And around 1906, Chief O'Connor found there was a problem in St. Paul. There was a lot of crime, and he did not have a large enough police force to fight it, and, and everyone said, stop the crime, and he'd say, great, politicians, give me more money so that I can hire more police officers, and then I will squash this crime. And the politicians would say, no, there's nothing in the budget for you, sir, but can you please stop the crime anyway? <laughs> so huh. Chief O'Connor had a problem, didn't he? And so he came up with a system. It eventually became known as the O'Connor layover system. He just made a deal. He made a deal with the bad guys. He said, look, if you promise to not break any laws while you were in St. Paul, we'll leave you alone. Give us a little donation to the policeman's retirement fund. And, oh, by the way, when you come to town, just check in, let us know you're there. It's all good, right? And so that is what happened. Of course, as with all things, it goes downhill when other people get involved. And it sort of devolved into this open-door policy where the gangsters flooded to St. Paul because they knew that as long as they kept their noses clean, they could walk around. They could plan their jobs. Uh, you know, I'm going to rob a bank in Nebraska. I'll plant it in St. Paul where nobody bothers me. And you can do a lot of networking because they're all here. So you can put your gang together. You can meet that safe-cracking expert, the guy who's good at explosives. Oh, the man who's planned a kidnapping, you know? It was sort of the place to go to be. I mentioned Alvin Karpis. He's one of the main characters in the book that I just wrote. Some people may remember he's the guy who set the record for staying in Alcatraz longer than anybody. And uh, he loved St. Paul. And he said that if there's a guy you're looking for and you hadn't seen him in a while, you could always find him. You would know he was either in prison or in St. Paul. As here. a place that became a bit of a, not more, uh, more than a bit, actually, of a refuge for people who saw the gentility of the town. It suited them well, and they didn't necessarily want to draw a lot of attention to themselves anyway. No, they didn't. And But after a while, people tended to know that they were here. And they came to town, and they walked around quite openly, carried their music cases. Everybody knew what was in them. Sometimes people would go down to places like the Castle Royal, specifically because they got to rub elbows with John Dillinger and other people like that. Kind of weird to think about it now, but they were almost the, the movie stars of their day, the rock stars. That makes sense. It really does. That's the anti-hero before the term was even coined, I think. I think you are correct. Yeah, and in St. Paul, you can have this, this gentle place by the mighty Mississippi, whereas when you're in Chicago, that, that's a totally different culture, even within gangland culture. And you've got the gangsters there. Those roaring 20s were roaring largely with the, the pulse of it being determined by what was happening in Chicago at that time. So for a lot of people, it would be a respite to go to someplace as comparatively mild as St. Paul, and yet you could still ply your trade. Absolutely true. It was a place to go until the heat was off. Uh, you mentioned Chicago, and we do know that Al Capone came a couple of times, stayed at the Commodore Hotel. He would never have done business in St. Paul. That would have been against the unwritten rules. The, every town had their own liquor king, their bootlegging king. Al Capone controlled Chicago. In St. Paul, we had a guy named Leon Gleckman. He controlled the alcohol in St. Paul. Uh, over in Minneapolis, he had Isidore Kid Ken Blumenfeld. Uh, but they were all friendly with each other as long as you didn't do business in each other's town. See what I'm saying? Yes, so, yes. that's right. They observed boundaries. They did. <laughs> so they didn't sell alcohol in each other's cities, even though St. Paul and Minneapolis are right next to each other. 
Now, the thing about the O'Connor system uh, that was a problem for Minneapolis was it only covered St. Paul. So the guys were told, look, don't rob banks in St. Paul, but you can go over to Minneapolis all you want. Who cares? So crime plummeted to nothing in St. Paul, but it skyrocketed in Minneapolis at the time. What a pragmatic Midwestern way of doing business. (laughs) That is impressive. Well, then bringing it forward to the present day, Cynthia, if you go on a tour of these street caves, you want to relive the gangster era, which actually is to live it for the first time because we know it through history and through imagery, especially on TV and in the movies. Here you play a character, Edna the Kissing Bandit. What is it like to go on one of these tours? Give us a taste of that. The tours are really a lot of fun. People just cannot believe how much enjoyment is in it. It is not your standard tour with some guide standing up there, you know, whatever. I mean, other tours are great, but this, you're going to get a character. We hire actors who are really good with people. They love history. Um, they have strong improv skills. So they'll get on the bus, and that person will be in character from the minute they step on the bus. Um, and they will uh, take you around and do you. We, we like to call it a two-hour show on a bus. It really is like theater on a bus. And you're going around and you're hearing these fabulous stories. The, the actors are painting these pictures for you. And the nice thing about St. Paul is that it has been really good at preserving its older buildings, unlike some other cities. So we can take you and say, yep, here is the apartment that John Dillinger shot his way out of with the FBI. Here is the house that the Barker gang lived in and planned the kidnapping that they perpetrated. So it's fun. It's a really fun way to go around and see the city. And uh, you can do both the cave tour and the gangster tour, or you can do one or the other. A lot of people choose to do both. Um, So you can take the 11 o'clock a.m. cave tour on a Saturday and then jump on the noon gangster tour and go around with that. Um, the cave tours themselves are not done by characters, but we have, again, very good uh, talkers, speakers, tour guides, who will are very knowledgeable and uh, take you through and tell you all the history of the cave. And then you jump on the bus with your gangster, and you go around and you see the town. Now, that's the gangster angle, and I have to believe there with all of that, you would have people coming there to get married, and there would be gangster-themed weddings. Am I right? You are completely correct. In fact, that's kind of one of the perks of having your wedding at the case. Well, a couple of perks. One, they're so beautiful with all that brickwork from the 30s. You don't have to spend a lot of time decorating with, you know, stuff. And the other thing is, you know how when you go to a wedding and everybody shows up first and the bride and groom always comes later because they've been taking pictures and this and that, there's really nothing for people to do. Well, at the caves, you can hire one of our gangster character actors to come and entertain people and give mini tours of the caves, go back into the unfinished caves, which you can't see during a wedding reception because they're not finished off, and they come back and they tell you the history, and sometimes uh, people will want to hear some of our ghost stories because we're also considered one of the top three most haunted sites in St. Paul. So, in fact, we have so many of those that we also do an all- ghost story tour of the cave the last Sunday of every month. We call our Lost Souls tour. And that one is open to the public. And I do that one as a very scary lady named Nurse Hatchet. 
Oh, man, this is great. And I know on this program, we have an awful lot of interest from our listeners in the ghost tours. And aren't they big business around North America? I've been to the one in Nashville. I've been on a couple of them in St. Augustine, Florida. Oh, yeah, they're big in St. Augustine. Oh, my goodness. And every town's the most haunted in America. You can count on them <laughs> saying that. They're, but as far as most haunted St. Paul goes, give us a little feel for what that's like if you take the ghost tour, and you're one of the stars. Well, there's two of us that do the ghost tour, and three, actually, uh, that comes up in October to do it. Um, and it's done by uh, candlelight, and we don't do any of the history. So, again, some people will choose to take the historic tour at 11, and then they'll do the haunted tour at 1230 come back in, and uh, we tell you stories of things that have occurred. We don't tell you that you should or should not believe in ghosts. We just tell you the things that have been reported by people who work there, uh, guests who have visited, uh, that kind of thing. And then um, we end the tour with a slideshow of ghosts captured by the camera inside the Wabashaw Street Cave. I love that. That's the kind of thing that... Uh, at least appears to offer some evidential case for there being hauntings there. I love that kind of stuff. Millions of people do. Are yeah. there star ghosts in the street caves? John Dillinger sidle up to the bar? Do you see <laughs> Al Capone? People, in other words, spirits of those who were well-recognized and even famous in their time. You no, know, we don't have those. In fact, as a person who studies ghosts, I kind of always take that with a little grain of salt, you know. It's like, can really Al Capone haunt every place, you know, kind of thing. Um, the way I like to talk about it is this was a nightclub in the 30s, and so you have either people who, uh, it was a popular place for them to go when they were alive, so it's a popular place to go when they're dead. You know, it looks like it did when they were alive. Ghosts like places that look like it did when they were alive. And a large group of the ghosts we have are those who, were so ill-behaved while they were alive, they're sort of stuck, they're afraid to move on, don't know how warm it's going to get where they're going, you know what I'm saying? Right, sure. And the other group is the people that are just too dumb to know they're dead. They just don't know they're dead. And they still think it's 1934, and they're just there partying at their favorite place. There's something very nostalgic about that. It would be poignant to, if that is actually the case, to think of that in terms of people being caught between the earth and the stars, as it were. Yes. People ask me a lot, are you afraid to work at a cave that is haunted? And I go, no, they're just people, you know, and they don't bother me at all. In fact, I think it's kind of fun to have all those friends hanging out when you think you're alone. We also do, because St. Paul is uh, an older town, it's very Victorian in its atmosphere. In fact, Summit Avenue was recently named one of the top ten most beautiful streets in the United States, and it got that because it is the largest collection of preserved Victorian homes in one street in the United States. So much of Summit Avenue hasn't changed in appearance in 100, 125 years. And because so many homes still look like they did when they were built in the 1800s, they tend to have a lot of people who like to hang around even though they're dead. So in October, we go, okay, well, let's get in on that too. Uh, we do haunted tours of St. Paul. So if anybody's up here in St. Paul, they can take our Ghost and Graves tour, and we do these characters, um, I'm Nurse Hatchet again, where we go around and we show you various haunted buildings in St. Paul. Well, now I'm going to have to take these tours just to meet you. I you think will this have is to. 
in character, no less. I think that is great because people love to have a composite experience. I remember one of the tours I took in St. Augustine, there, the, this gentleman was so in character that he was threatening to some people and they became very unsettled in his presence oh. because he was playing the role of the runaway slave and you could hear and see the desperation. His performance was so true to life. Yes. And I'm thinking anywhere you go, this is the kind of experience you want to have. Even if you know that you can safely leave the building afterward, you're really caught up in the electricity of the moment. That's what we like to say with our tours, and I, I love to hear that you think that. Uh, we don't try to scare people. We say, you know, we don't do this thing like the haunted houses where people jump out and go, boo, that's not us. Right. We tell the stories in a spooky manner, you know, in a way we paint the picture for you and Hope to give you a little shiver, a little tingle, you know, make you think about it. Like I said, we aren't there to tell you whether you should or should not believe in ghosts. Even if you don't believe in ghosts, it's fun. It's just entertaining. They're called the Twin Cities, but my impression is that Minneapolis and St. Paul, if they're twins, they're certainly not identical. They are certainly not. One of my favorite sayings I like to tell people when they ask me what is the difference between the two, because our downtowns are only five miles apart. I mean, they're really next to each other. Um... St. Paul is the last great city of the East, and Minneapolis is the first great city of the West. So St. Paul is more like Boston, Chicago, you know, that kind of thing. It's brick, it's Victorian, um, and Minneapolis is more tall and shiny and glass. It's newer. It's the new kid on the block. It's Denver. It's Seattle. It's, it's L.A., you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of nice. You get to have the best of both worlds here. Um, if you feel more like an East Coast person, you can live in St. Paul. If you feel more like a West Coast person, you can hang in Minneapolis. And if you want a little visit, you can go do that and then head back to the city that you feel more at home in. So it's really a great place to live. It's kind of a little secret that don't tell anybody. You couldn't have made a trip there sound more inviting. Cynthia Schreiner-Smith, I swear I'm going to get to St. Paul and I'm going to look you up and we'll have a good time. And of course, I will do all the tours I can fit into my itinerary. Thank you so much for joining us today. You make St. Paul seem like such a wonderful place to visit. I can't wait to get there. Well, it just doesn't seem to be a great place. It is a great place all year round, even in the winter. So come on down. I will accept that invitation. <laughs> Cynthia Schreiner-Smith and the Wabasha Street Caves. We will be right back after a word from Alert Drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. The first stop on any Utah road trip 
utah.com. utah.com has itineraries for every corner of the state. Discover where you can drive under a vibrant vermilion arch. Find a turquoise lake and the best raspberry shakes around. Or marvel at Aspen's aglow in autumn. Wherever you go, the drive is as awesome as the destination. So throw your bag in the boot of your Beetle or pack the snacks in your mini Winnie and hit the road with tips from the crew at utah.com. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk today, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Also, when you're on Facebook, go to American Road Magazine page and give us a like. Lots of updated information constantly flowing through. You can stay up to date on all those great places that you might like to visit someday. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. Oh, 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 oh,